Greetings and salutations out there, sports fans all across the universe. This is the premiere episode of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. I am your humble host, Michael Shibley, the man in the arena, hanging out with you on a beautiful day here in Knoxville. Hope you all out there are having a great one. Yes, for those of you who don't know, I have moved over here. I have arrived at Stage Diver Radio. Great enough for Mitch Wheeler to give me a spot to do some great podcasting and bring some great sports content to you around the world. We're going to talk all the big stuff that's making news around the sporting universe, as well as some pro wrestling as well, because I gotta stay true to my roots with the pro wrestling. They're all modern day gladiators. You gotta love it. And again, hope you love everything you hear. And of course, rate, review, subscribe, any of that stuff. It is wonderful to have you guys talk about that and talk up the show, share it with your friends. We want to hear the best stuff from you guys. We want to make this the best show it possibly can be. And of course, you can check this out on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher, anywhere you get your fine podcast needs, as well, of course, at stagediverradio.com. When you are there, you can just listen to all the other great podcasts we've got as well. Halfle, Scruffy Little Podcast, One Faller 60 Minutes, Deadbeat Radio, People in My Neighborhood, J&B's DLC, all of those are great to listen to. You can listen to them all at stagediverradio.com. Also, send in your thoughts and comments at stagediverradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And call the hotline, 865-888-0109, and give your thoughts and whatever comments you have there. We would love to hear from you as well. But again, I am your humble host, Michael Shibley. And again, this is the premiere episode of Modern Day Gladiators. Hope you guys are in for a good one. And of course, for those of you who don't know about me, huge, huge Tennessee fan, my dad, went to Tennessee. He was a huge fan and it is just a family tradition at that point. I went to Tennessee, Tennessee grad here and of course loved Vol football ever since I can remember. So of course we're going to lead off our first story is involving the Tennessee Volunteers as fall camp has opened up here across the college football landscape, but the big one is it started here on Rocky Top as well. New head coach Jeremy Pruitt is in his first full uh, practice for fall practice and everything, which is great to see, especially after Tennessee coming off their first ever eight-loss season last season. A lot of struggles everywhere. Uh, so Jeremy Pruitt trying to rebuild this team into more of a, a hard nose power football team because again he is a defensive guy he is a disciple of Nick Saban so we will go from there but it's great to have all the Tennessee balls back there on the practice field and getting stuff done looking to challenge and see not not really challenge we're not we're not going to set our expectations that high especially a team that's coming off its first ever eight loss season in program history but we do want them to be more competitive because if you looked at how this Tennessee team was at the end of last season, it was just sad to watch. And I watched every minute of it, so I know how sad it truly, truly was. But it's awesome to see we also had 30 new players who were welcomed to the field who did not participate in spring practice, including players who were injured or also, of course, new enrollees from uh, Jeremy Pruitt's first recruiting class to um of the best ones that came back to the practice field that missed spring and are great to see them back in the orange and white and in pads. First is returning linebacker Darren Kirkland Jr. 
He missed 2017 due to injuries, and he had thought about transferring as a senior graduate transfer, but he decided to come back to Rocky Top, and I'm very glad that he did. He had 111 tackles. Uh, and 11 and a half tackles for loss in 2015 and 2016 before he got hurt. He was a freshman All-American in 2015. He missed the spring, but it's good to have him back and playing, and he will give a great boost to that linebacking core, especially if Tennessee is looking to move to a 3-4 defensive scheme there as well as their base defense. So he will be a good leader to have and get these guys where they need to be. Also, wonderful to have sophomore Offensive lineman Trey Smith, the freshman All-American. Great to have him back in pads because it was wondering. He missed spring. It was an undiagnosed illness, that, so we didn't really know what was going on with with Trey Smith. But it, we found out just, uh, just this past week that he was diagnosed with blood clots in his lungs, which is not good. That's, that's really tough to have there. And he's just now finishing a six-month round of anticoagulants using to try and clear up some of those blood clots. He has been cleared to play football. He will finally be allowed also to participate in contract drills a little before the season opener against West Virginia on September 1st. So that's going to be great to have him. Again, a freshman All-American, by far still the best offensive lineman we have on the team right now. So... It's great to have him back, and again, making this decision, I know this wasn't an easy decision for him to have to deal with, especially as a 19-year-old, really kid, when you look at it that way, so it's great to have him back and can bolster an offensive line that needs all the help they can get, because the offensive line was a huge weakness last year. He was the only bright spot, but he's only one guy, and you got five guys in an offensive line unit, so you kind of need better play than that. So it's great to have him back. And again, a freshman All-American and Darren Kirkland Jr. on the linebacking core. Great to have a former All-SEC freshman back there as well. But of course, the big battle that everybody is going to be looking to and seeing what Jeremy Pruitt's decision is going to be is going to be coming at the quarterback position. Again, what we all know and love. Quentin Dormady was the starter at the beginning of last season, but he uh, lost the job to Jarrett Garantano. He has now transferred over to Houston, and he will play there in conference uh, in the American Athletic Conference, I believe is where Houston is, where the Cougars are. So instead, you've got a QB battle between sophomore Jarrett Garantano and then senior Keller Christ was really the other guy who's going to be challenging. He has transferred from Stanford, where he was the starting quarterback, lost his job there, and is now transferred as a senior because you can transfer and play right away as a senior graduate transfer if I believe the rule with the NCAA is you graduate from the school and then if you want to go into a graduate school that does not have uh, the curriculum where you are, you can transfer and then you don't have to sit out a year because usually NCAA transfer rules say you have to sit out a year. You don't have to do that as a graduate transfer. So, or at least we've got some depth there at the quarterback position. Jarrett Garantano, uh, he was 1-5 as a starter last season. He had a 61.8 completion percentage with 997 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Keller Christ, 11-2 as a starter. But again, playing with Stanford, you've got that great offensive line that they had there. And of course, you had Bryce Love, of course, the 
all-world running back that they had. So that makes up for a lot of it. He only had a 55% completion percentage. So that is something you're going to have to look at as well. And of course, you also have sophomore Will McBride, who is in the mix. However, he really didn't look great in the spring. He did start the Missouri game last season because Garantano was injured. But it looked like Garantano kind of distanced himself from McBride over the course of the spring. Now, Keller Christ has come in as well. And of course, the other one you've got to look at is the freshman JT Shrout. He was a three-star prospect out of Newhall, California. He flipped from... Cal Berkeley, he flipped his commitment, he committed to them, and he switched to Tennessee through the recruitment from Jeremy Pruitt, and Jeremy Pruitt has now said all of these four quarterbacks will get first-team snaps during uh, the practice leading up to the season. Of course, they had their first open practice, which was UT Fan Day, and that happened uh, last Sunday. It was great to have the fans come out and be able to watch the team practice and see where everybody is, but again, the quarterback battle is going to be the big thing, and of course, we will talk about that plenty here on Modern Day Gladiators as we move toward the football season. It's awesome to see. I love it, and of course, the announcement that came through last week as well is this is going into the 2018 season, the 20th anniversary of the 1998 National Championship season, and Tennessee will celebrate that national championship uh, kind of a... uh, just a reunion of the team and celebrate the 20-year anniversary of it on September 22nd against the Florida Gators. So you're going to have all those guys back. It'll be great to see a lot of them back on campus and celebrate that team. But of course, we've got the 28 team coming up. And again, we'll talk more about this right now. If I had to guess who would be the starting quarterback for the first game of the season there in Charlotte against West Virginia on September 1st, I'm going to go with Keller Christ. I'm going to go with the senior. He... I think is more of a pro-style guy, and I'm going to go with him. That's the prediction right now. We will see as more of this develops, and of course, breaking news, we will break on that as well, where you can hear all the breaking news, of course, is on my Facebook page, where, of course, we will have a Modern Day Gladiators link there, so you can find all that video, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Michael underscore Shibley. All of that, just come in and have conversations with me. Would love to hear from you guys. Love to hear those comments and follow me there. And of course, this is the Modern Day Gladiators. So I can't wait to get this going. I love talking Tennessee, but there's big, big news, of course, in the rest of the world of college football. And the one that you might be a little familiar with is the Urban Meyer scandal continues at Ohio State. It has just become just crazy. For those of you who don't know, uh, Urban Meyer, the head coach at Ohio State, won a national championship a few years ago. He was placed on uh, paid administrative leave while under investigation into essentially what Urban Meyer knew and didn't know and who he told and who's responsible for what has been happening with Courtney Smith. She's the wife of former, uh, or now ex-wife of the former Ohio State wide receiver coach, Zach Smith, due to, uh, spousal assault and abuse and different things like that. The story broke last week on uh, former ESPN uh, columnist Brett McMurphy broke the story on his Facebook page. So again, all these great media outlets you've got where you can get this great breaking news. So because Urban Meyer had been asked, you know, why he fired uh, Zach Smith and there was questions about assault and things that had happened In that, uh, with his ex-wife and Urban Meyer said during the Big Ten Media Days, he 
had no idea what was going on. He released a statement later this week uh, saying that he uh, did not answer the questions to the best of his abilities, which if in layman's terms means he lied to the media. So much of this investigation really stems, though, on because he's now claimed that he did know about what had happened in 2015. And now, to take you back, when Urban Meyer was head coach at Florida, uh, Zach Smith was arrested for domestic abuse uh, against his now ex-wife, Courtney, back in 2009. So there was that precedent, and then he was hired uh, back as Urban Meyer became coach at Ohio State. So you have to look at all of this, and you really have to think, who, how much is the grandson of Earl Bruce really that matter that much to Urban Meyer? Because that's who Zach Smith is. Earl Bruce, a former head coach and one of Urban Meyer's uh, mentors coming up in the coaching ranks. So, you know, how much of a favor is it doing to keep him on staff? I mean, wide receiver coaches are... I, I don't want to coin the term, but you know you can replace wide receiver coaches. There's just a plethora of them that've got to be around who can coach wide receivers just as well as this guy can, who doesn't have the baggage of quite possibly beating his wife. So this investigation is going. You've got it says it's an independent investigation, even though three members on this six-person investigative team are members of the Ohio State Board of Trustees. So we'll see where that goes, but. We just got to see where all of this goes. They have claimed this uh, investigative group says that they will have their findings in the next 14 days, starting back on Sunday. So again, not this Sunday, but the Sunday after that, they're supposed to come out with their report. And we'll see what happens. Uh, Urban Meyer, he makes $7 million a year. And A.D. Gene Smith, which is technically his boss, makes $1.5 million a year. So you get this weird world in college athletics where the coaches make way more than their bosses and then their bosses' bosses as well. You talk about the the, the board of trustees, the high-ranking, the president of the university, and all of those people. So it's an interesting thing to look at here as we move forward. And it's frustrating because you've got this baggage with this guy, and it's like, are you really hitching your wagon to this guy? You know, how much, again, is the grandson of Earl Bruce worth to you? And it seems to Urban Meyer he's willing to stake his whole job on this guy who he finally fired when some of this stuff looked like it was coming to light. And now Urban Meyer seems to be passing the buck on to athletic director Gene Smith saying that he did make his bosses aware of what had happened in 2015 after Urban Meyer originally at Big Ten Media Days claimed he knew nothing about what was going on. So you've got that going on there. Of course, in the current climate that we have in this country, lying to the media is just something that everybody seems to do. So we, you know, that's not the, the issue here. The issue is that there was a woman who was assaulted, or at least has claimed to be assaulted, and we've got to see the consequences for that and claiming what you knew and if you're going to back somebody who did some of these things. And, you know, nobody is talking about Courtney Smith. She's the real victim here if she was assaulted. She's the victim. But then you had this just stupid Save Urban Meyer rally that happened on Monday, which was, just you know, about 200 people. They were out there for 10 minutes holding signs, you know, 
claiming that ESPN is fake news and that there it's a vast conspiracy to get rid of Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is a very successful football coach. He's one of the only guys who has won a national championship that's not named Nick Saban over the past few years. So he's a you know great football coach. But again, you you saw this too. And again, this is comparing apples to oranges, really, with the Penn State situation with Joe Paterno. But you had, once Joe Paterno got fired, even though he did pass the knowledge of what Jerry Sandusky was doing, or at least he claimed that he did that, even though nothing happened to Jerry Sandusky, he remained on the payroll and everything for a long, long time after that. But the students and people rioted in Happy Valley there after Joe Paterno got fired. So... You have these people coming out, and again, these are not really, you would think, true Ohio State fans when it comes down to it. They're idiots who go out and hold poster boards about anything, so it's just an interesting situation. It's a tough situation for Ohio State to be in right now, and I will be very interested to see where all of this is going to come to a head. I mean, they're going to say it's going to come you know, now in about a week and a half. So I'm very anxious to see. And of course, we'll talk more about that on future Modern Day Gladiator episodes as long as you stay tuned here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. It is great to be here. It really didn't want a topic like this to be on the premiere episode, but hey, that's what's in the news. We're going to break it down for you here. I'm going to give you my opinion. I hope you guys enjoy it. And of course, we're going to have special guests and all these different things on future episodes. Very excited to be here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. And moving on to a little bit better news, as, of course, now that the calendar has turned to August and fall camps, again, are underway, it means it's time to preview the college football season coming up. My favorite time of year. Love me some college football. Will always love it. It's great to see. And again, we got to break down. You got to make picks. That's what we do in this line of work. We make predictions. We give our thoughts. And it is something we gots to do because I gots to be right. You know, Shibley Damas here is going to try and make some good predictions and see where we go with this. So let's uh, break down. We're going to start in the uh, group of five conferences. These, again, are the low, uh, the lower tier, I guess you would call it, conferences that are not really involved in the college football playoff. We'll kind of see what happens with them. As always, the rules have stated with the latest agreement between all the conferences, the highest ranked of any of these uh, schools from any of these conferences, the highest ranked one gets to play in one of those New Year's Six Bowls. Last year, it was the Central Florida Golden Knights who went undefeated and beat Auburn in the Sugar Bowl. And of course, they've claimed a national championship and all that. But hey, they're allowed to do that. Let them have a little fun with it, even though I don't recognize it. But hey, let them have some fun with that. But let's break it down. Let's start again with the American Athletic Conference. And let's start with the winner out west. I've got Houston. I've got the Cougars winning their division there in the American Athletic Conference. They've got quite possibly the best player in college football in defensive tackle, Ed Oliver. He is an insane player. He's the youngest player to ever win the Outland Trophy, which goes to the best interior lineman. So he is just someone you have to completely game plan around if you are an offensive coordinator. So he is great. He could be the first overall pick in next year's NFL draft. So get a chance to see him now because he has pretty much said he's going. If he could have left after last season, I'm sure he would have. He is a great player to watch. Keep an eye on him. But again, I've got 
Houston winning out west, but winning the Eastern Division in the American Athletic Conference and also winning the conference overall. I've got the Golden Knights of Central Florida. They went undefeated last season, and yes, they lost a lot off that team. Scott Frost, their head coach, went back to Nebraska, and of course so much of their defense has left, but they still have the best quarterback probably in that conference in Mackenzie Milton, and they've got just a high-powered offense behind him. And new head coach Josh Heupel has been around a little bit. You know, he was he was a national championship winning quarterback himself at Oklahoma. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where they go. They do have a tough non-conference schedule, but I've got Central Florida getting the conference win there in the American Athletic Conference. They're not going to go undefeated again. I'll tell you that right now, but I do have them winning the AAC. Jumping over to Conference USA, the winner out west, I've got the Bulldogs of Louisiana Tech getting the win there. To me, they look like the most balanced and experienced team in that division, but that's about all you can really say in that division. It's not really anything to shake a stick at. The real contest is going to happen out in the Eastern Division in that conference, and the overall champion is also going to be the Florida Atlantic Owls. Lane Kiffin's owl attack is loaded and ready to go in Conference USA. 15 starters back, 10 of them on defense from the defending Conference USA champions. They won their final 10 games. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen there. Lane Kiffin, of course, trolling everybody down there in Boca Raton. It's cool to see him back and, and doing things. Of course, he was a candidate maybe to come back as the Tennessee head coach. I would have been fine having him back. I'm I can bury the hatchet. I don't know if the rest of all nation could, but I could totally bury the hatchet after especially the nightmare that we had this last season. I'll take that all day, but he's done wonders down there first in his first season with FAU. I think he can do great things in his second season. I've got them winning Conference USA. Going into the MAC, some action as always. Those great Tuesday, Wednesday night games you get once the calendar turns to October, November. You get some good stuff there. Uh, my first ever college football game I ever got to go to. We were living in Toledo, and I got to see the Battle of I-75 between Toledo and Bowling Green there at Perry Stadium in Bowling Green, Ohio. So that was uh, my first introduction to a real-life college football game. Out in the Western Division of the MAC, Northern Illinois, they've got the best offense and defensive lines in that conference, which, again, you've got great line play like that. You can control so much in football. Yes, great quarterback play is awesome, and it can do a lot of things for you, but you've got to have that offense and defensive lines. As the great General Neyland once said, touchdowns follow blocking as night follows day, and I adhere to that. I believe it. you got to have great line play, and I think Northern Illinois in that conference does have that. They do have a tough non-conference schedule where they've got to go to Iowa, they do host Utah, and then they've got to go to Florida State. So you've got to see that early non-conference things for a lot of these mid-major schools. You can get a lot of your players beat up a lot more than you would want them to be. So you've got that kind of transition there. We'll see how that goes into conference play, but I still think they've got enough horses to win the West out there. I've got the Northern Illinois Huskies as the Western Division champions in the MAC. However, I've got the overall champion of the MAC coming out of the Eastern Division. Again, I've got them as the Ohio Bobcats. Frank Solich, again, he was the coach at Nebraska for a while, took them to a national championship game, but then he has now found himself at Ohio there in Athens, Ohio, and he has done a great job with the Bobcats. I think he's been there for almost 10 years now. It's amazing to think, but he's got quite possibly the best QB in that conference 
in Nathan Rourke. Plus, he's got a very favorable schedule. A lot of the tougher conference opponents are coming to Athens, so you've got to like those home games that they've got there. I've got Ohio winning the Eastern Division and also winning the MAC Conference overall. Out in the Mountain West, we've got in the West Division, Jeff Tedford. He was the former coach at Cal. Did some really good things there. Fall, fell on some hard times. Uh, lost his job. Has now found himself at Fresno State. Did a great job with them last season. The season before he got there, Fresno State won one game in 2016. Jeff Tedford gets there. They won 10 games. They were playing for the Mountain West Championship as well. Didn't get the win there. They lost to Boise State, but... They really impressed people. They surprised some people. Tedford shows he still knows how to coach football. So all the hats off to him for that. But I've got Fresno State winning the West Division again. They've got a very veteran roster, so they don't have to worry about sneaking up on people like they did last season. So I do think they're going to win in the West there. However, in the Mountain Division of the Mountain West, I've got the defending champion Boise State Broncos getting the win there. Welcome Boise State back to the top in the Mountain West. They won their first title since 2014 last season. And again, they've got senior quarterback Brett Rippon, and they've got a stacked defense for that. It's great to see, again, the blue turf, that Smurf turf that they've got there in Boise. I love seeing Boise State competing and maybe quite possibly making some noise in the college football playoff, or at least being under consideration for getting into the college football playoff. So we will see how, again, their schedule shakes out, but it's awesome to see them uh, back there, and I've got them winning not only the Mountain Division, but I've got them winning back-to-back Mountain West titles. Meanwhile, to finish up these this group of five in the Sun Belt, out in the East, you've got Appalachian State. I've got them winning. When in doubt, go with the guys who are the most consistent out there. I mean... Uh, their head coach, Scott Satterfield, is a solid, solid coach. He knows what to do with the talent that he's got. They just know how to reload and be very competitive in that conference, even though they're losing a four-year starter, Taylor Lamb. And again, he was one of those guys who led that Appalachian State attack a couple years ago against Tennessee and gave Tennessee all they wanted. We had to go to overtime to beat Appalachian State. It took Jalen Hurt or Jalen Hurd uh, recovering a fumble in the end zone to make sure that to preserve that win. So, again, Appalachian State, when in doubt, go with the Mountaineers out there in the Sun Belt. Eastern Division, and then out West. Picking a lot of Western uh, Division. Well, I, yeah, actually looking back at my notes, it's more of a smorgasbord. I've got Western Champs, I've got Eastern Champs all over this group of five. But I've got the uh, champions coming out of the Western Division here in the Sun Belt Conference. I've got the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Uh, they are loaded on offense. They've got a very solid defense overall, especially for that conference. They do play Alabama in their second week. I'm not calling them to give Alabama any type of run for their money. Hopefully they will come out of that game intact against the Crimson Tide. After that, though, they do have a pretty easy schedule. As Troy, one of the contenders always in the Sun Belt, they don't play them during the regular season. And then Appalachian State is a home game for them. So I do have Arkansas State winning the Western Division in the Sun Belt, and I also have them being the overall champions out West. And again, out of all of these schools, out of all of these champions and all these great teams that have some talent and can pull some big upsets if you gave them the chance, which one is going to be challenging one of the big boys in one of these New Year's Six Bowls? 
you know, the, the, the popular opinion would be Boise State. When in doubt, go with Boise State. They've been there before. They know how to do it. I'm going to go with a little bit of a wild card because no one from Conference USA has had a chance to play for one of, in one of these bowls. I'm going to go with the Florida Atlantic Owls. I think Lane Kiffin can get these guys to play hard. I think he can. they can be the highest-ranked team out of all of these and get a chance to play in a New Year's Six Bowl. And how great would it be to have Lane Kiffin and his Twitter and all of his antics uh, trolling some of the big boys if they do get into a New Year's Six Bowl. I think that would be great to watch, and I'm rooting for it. Hey, why not? Give Lane Kiffin a chance to get back there, and I think he does. I think the Owls are good. They are my pick out of this group of five to get to a New Year's Six Bowl game. But that's going to wrap up this first segment here at Modern Day Gladiators. Great to have you guys with us again. Love you guys, and hopefully you're going to stick around. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back here with Modern Day Gladiators here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. Hey guys, this is Jay Kendrick. And I'm Mingy. And we're here today to talk to you about a new video game podcast coming to Stage Diver Radio Network entitled J&B's DLC. So has this ever happened to you while you're playing a video game? Get good, noob. Your mom looks like Sean Connery and I'd still banger get wrecked. Well, you're in luck, because we have a podcast by gamers. For gamers. Every other Monday, everywhere podcasts can be found, and at stagediverradio.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Modern Day Gladiators. Again, your humble host, Michael Shibley here, the man in the arena. Hope you guys have been having a good one. It's a nice change of scenery here at the Stage Diver Radio Studios. And again, thank you to Mitch Wheeler for putting me up in here. Hope you guys are having a great one. But of course, one segment that has not changed, and we're going to keep it rolling, of course, as always, is Shibbles and Bits. Of course, these are the news that have fallen through the cracks. Let's hit it up. Let's see what's going on in the world of Shibbles and Bits. So again, those of you who are not familiar with the world of Shibbles and Bits, it's just some of the sports news that has not been making as many headlines as some of the other stuff we have talked about so far on Modern Day Gladiators, but we're going to hit it up here. So let's start off with some more college football news. We are very college football heavy on today's show, but let's hit it up. 13 University of North Carolina Tar Heel football players, including the projected starting quarterback Chaz Surratt, have been suspended at least one game. Surratt has been suspended actually four games. Nine of the players have been suspended for four games, including Surratt, after they were caught selling school-issued special edition Nike Jordan shoes. Uh, This is a secondary NCAA violation because, again, you cannot make money off of certain things. One thing you will notice about me, if you are new to me and my views, no matter where you've heard from me before, if you have not heard from me, I am someone who believes, again, yes, there is a huge web of crap you got to deal with with the NCAA. And again, do they need to get paid? Again, it is amateurism. I don't know about that, but you should be able to let these players make money off of their likeness somehow. We talked about, I've talked about before, you know, if a, if a, a, football player if like former UT Vol if Josh Dobbs wanted to go do an autograph signing at a car dealership he should be able to go do that and make money doing that that's just one of the things that I personally believe I also believe again if one of these guys wants to have his own podcast or have his own YouTube 
page. You know, if the Lady Vols basketball team, if they want to have their own podcast and be able to sell ads on there, I think they have every right to do that because any other student that's not a student athlete has the right to do that. If I was in college right now, being a broadcasting major, I could have a podcast or a YouTube show or anything of that ilk and still not only have that and my studies, and this includes like a full scholarship or anything along those lines. I could do that and make money off my likeness, and I still think that they should be able to do that. I mean, you've got these kids, a lot of these guys don't have anything of value to them, and then all of a sudden you sign up, you've got a full ride to school at the University of North Carolina, and of course, because Michael Jordan went to UNC, you get you know, all these Jordan things. You get these Jordan limited edition shoes and everything like that. I mean, they're worth some money. So, you know, you can't fault these guys for selling that. I mean, you should these guys should be able to sell their game-worn jerseys and make some money off of that. And then you don't have to worry about having to pay the players because honestly, with the Title IX laws and everything like that, if you pay the football players, you pay the basketball players, you got to pay the softball players, you got to pay the rowing team, you got to pay the swimming and diving team, you got to pay all of them with that separate, well, not separate, but equal. Wow, I'm not going down that road. But you talk about Title IX and the equality of all of it. You have to do that. But if you allow them to be independent and make their money off their likeness in some way, that should be perfectly fine. I don't know why we're punishing these kids like this. They get a limited edition Jordan shoes. Yeah, they can wear them, but why not sell them for a couple hundred bucks and then not have to do you know, dumb things. I mean, you hear about back in the day, Miami Hurricane players robbing people to make money. They're making all this money for the school, and yet you're not giving them anything. So, again, it sucks, again, that this is why they're suspended is because they get their equipment, and then they can't sell it. You know, that's that just bothers me in a lot of ways. I mean, you see around here, you know, where I work, you get a lot of the UT football players coming in, and they're wearing nothing but their Nike gear. That's sometimes the best clothes that they've got, some of these guys. The most comfortable, awesome, well-fitting stuff that they've got. So why not be able to sell some of it if you want to? Honestly, it's yours, but again, apparently it's not. It's property of the university. It's property of the NCAA. You just can't do that. So that bothers me. We will hear plenty more of these stories, I am sure, as we go through here on Modern Day Gladiators. But let's, speaking of gladiators, let's go into the fight realm real quick here. Let's talk UFC that happened over the weekend, UFC 227. Uh, TJ Dallashaw, he TKO'd Cody Garbant. In the first round of their rematch for the bantamweight title, that was just a whew, it's a good knockout. Uh, Dillashaw is a bad man, and I like the energy that he's got. And congratulations on still being bantamweight champion for him. But then, of course, Demetrius Johnson. This was the big story. Mighty Mouse. His first loss in seven years happened. He had defended his title a record eleven straight times he'd been successful in defending that was a record he knocked uh he defeated uh anderson spiva silva's record he didn't beat him but he beat his record and he lost a split decision to henry cejudo uh in a split decision there at ufc uh 227 so you gotta think a uh, that was a rematch from 
April 2016 at UFC 197 where Johnson knocked him out in the first round. So you've got to think there's going to be a trilogy fight for that one coming up. So congratulations to those guys. Some great fights there at 227. Hope to see some great more fights coming up. And of course, you know, you've got all these other big, big things happening in the fighting game. And of course, we'll cover all the big fight news as it comes available here as well, including Conor McGregor is going to return because that wasn't a surprise. If you listen to Halfleware, I was a great guest on their show this past week. I established that. Everybody's like, oh no, he's going to go to jail for a while. No, he's not. Have you seen any fight game promotion ever? The guy's never going to get punished for that long. He's going to fight. There's too many millions and millions of dollars to be made off a fight with Conor McGregor. So he's going to get his money no matter how terribly he acts as a human being he's still going to get paid because that's the fight game whether you like it or not <sighs> speaking of driving people insane the Mets have been driving people insane they've been driving people insane so much in New York that UMA Health an online mental health uh, clinic based and marketed in New York City is giving away free confidential therapy sessions to Mets fans after they fill out a form asking for their most difficult moments as fans so it's a free giveaway for free therapy for Mets fans. This comes after last week when the Mets lost 25-4 to to the Washington Nationals, the worst loss in team history. It has not been a good season for the New York Mets. I know it's tough to be a Mets fan, speaking as a Tennessee fan. I know that. I mean, at least it's been a lot sooner since we won a championship. But, I mean, the Mets were in the World Series just a couple of years ago. And they lost the Royals. Um... But meanwhile, the Mets, they're 44-63 and 63 and have been not good at all this season. So I guess maybe some free therapy for some of these Mets fans would be a good thing. But I don't get any free therapy for being an Orioles fan, and they're 34-78. and 78. They're tied with Kansas City, who won that World Series a few years ago over the Mets. Tied with them with the worst record in baseball right now. At, again, 34-78. and 78. They're that far below 500. Meanwhile... The Mets, they're only 16 games behind first the first place Philadelphia Phillies, which, again, at this point is insurmountable. But the Baltimore Orioles are 44 and a half games back of the Boston Red Sox. So who needs the real therapy here, Mets fans or Orioles fans? I'm going to go with me and my Orioles because they're terrible and they got rid of all their best players except Adam Jones. So there you go. And the only reason Adam Jones wasn't traded was because he kept his no-trade clause in effect. So, there you have it. <sighs> That's what's been going on in the world. Therapy is definitely needed for these terrible sports teams. Uh, but we'll see what happens. There's always next year, as the Cubs would say forever. There's always next year. But I appreciate you guys hanging around here for shibbles and bits that's going to be the segment here as we break it down here on modern day gladiators love to have you guys here thank you guys again for listening to shibbles and bits thank you mr pink panther glad to have you back that theme song is not going away anytime soon love having that as the background too shibbles and bits always feels like i'm sneaking around sneaking and trying to find all these uh, sports stories that maybe not everybody was able to hear about so there you have it but we always wrap up the show here on modern day gladiators with wrestling because 
That's my bread and butter. That's part of me. Huge sports fan, big wrestling fan as well. So it is a great time to be a wrestling fan. Maybe not in the WWE, but around the world. There is some great stuff happening. But first, of course, let's talk with what's going on in the WWE as the March to SummerSlam continues. Brock Lesnar, after showing up last week, of course, was not there this week. You still had Paul Heyman being his advocate and all these other things going on. Roman Reigns giving an interview talking about how you know he will be a fighting champion. Brock has defended the title on television or pay-per-view or the WWE Network, whatever you call it, five times. And by the way, Roman Reigns has been involved in most of that. So this is not new. This is not something different that we're getting. Who thinks it's going to be different? Of course, at this point, and I've talked about this before, I honestly, at this point, I'm fine. Just give the belt to Roman. Get it off Brock. Brock should have never been champion in the first place because he should have been booked almost like the special attraction that Andre the Giant was back in the day where he just came in, wrecked havoc for a while, and then left and moved on. was never a champion because he's not booked that way. He's a special attraction. He's not your champion because Brock's not going to be the day-to-day worker. Just give the belt to somebody who's there every week or even every other week at this point for crying out loud. This is it's just tiring. So at SummerSlam, I just hope Brock ends up without the belt, it, whether it be Roman Reigns beating him or Braun Strowman cashing in the money in the bank, which I personally would prefer to happen. I would rather have Braun as champion because the Roman Reigns experiment should be over with at this point, but it's not because the McMahons just love him so, so much, and the fans just don't. So that's what you've got going on, at least on the men's side of everything so far. Meanwhile, you had Roman Reigns in an 18-minute match with Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin has two cool moves and that's about it. He has no business being in an 18-minute match at this point. Yes, he might get some seasoning. That's what house shows are for. Don't show that on TV. There's no reason for that. Also, the the uh, the Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler feud you know, continues with all this other stuff with Drew McIntyre involved as well. That's just getting tiresome as well because we've seen them wrestle so much. Again, it's tiring. The only thing that's fresh right now has been the women's division where Ronda Rousey, this was the most interesting thing that happened last night. She had her first ever match on Raw where she dismantled Alicia Fox via armbar very quickly. It should have been even quicker than what it was, but that's what happened. So it looks like you know she's, of course, going to go against Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam. And despite, uh, you know, no shenanigans withstanding, Ronda Rousey should be champion there. So we will see how that goes. But that was the interesting thing that happened there. But again, it shows on these shows that they got mostly raw for this point. Three hours is just too long. I know the USA Network wants it, but it is exhausting after a while. And we're going to have, of course, a seven-hour SummerSlam, which is going to take forever because everybody's got to get their stuff in. Oh, and they got to have video packages for everything. It's just tiresome at that point. That's why I love NXT so much. Because NXT accomplishes so much in one hour of programming. You watch NXT, you watch a great tag match between the Undisputed Era and Mustache Mountain on the network. It was a five-star tag team match, which was wonderful. And then you set up feuds... For the rest, for the TakeOver show that's coming up. Or you have, you know, Tommaso Ciampa, who is right now the best heel in wrestling. 
right now. One of the best all time, really. But right now, the best heel they've got going in the entire world of professional wrestling right now. Winning the title from Aleister Black on NXT and setting up this great stuff. It was a great, great match. The, the, the crowd at Full Sail was completely into it. It was wonderful. So you guys need to pay attention to some of that stuff. You don't have to be stuck watching a three-hour Raw. There's so much other great wrestling on right now, including New Japan. And again, I have stressed this plenty on other shows where you need to pay the 999 yen, it's about 9 bucks, to subscribe to New Japan World. Download it, watch it. The G1 Climax is almost over, but it has been wonderful. For those of you who don't know, the G1 Climax, you've got 20 wrestlers divided into two blocks, the A block and the B block, so 10 wrestlers in each. They fight each other in a round-robin tournament. Two points for a win, one point for a draw, and of course zero points if you lose. Whoever has the most points out of each block, they go and they fight each other in the finale and then after that whoever wins that gets the guaranteed title opportunity to challenge for the IWGP heavyweight championship at their WrestleMania which is called Wrestle Kingdom this would be Wrestle Kingdom 13 on January 4th in the Tokyo Dome and it is amazing to watch the matches have been wonderful there's been just five star four star four and a half star just incredible matches this whole month that they've been having this climax by the way this happens over about a month so these guys i know they're getting exhausted but there has been some great great matches i mean you talk on opening night for b block you had kenny omega and tetsuya naito having their third you know awesome five-star match in a you know in the course of a year that they've had it's been amazing you've got then kenny omega again having an incredible incredible match with tomohiro ishii with, with Tomohiro Ishii pinning the champion clean with a brain buster in the center of the ring to set up, I'm sure, a title opportunity for him down the road. So it is amazing. Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi going out, going crazy. Toru Yano, you gotta Google this guy. Toru Yano, the sublime master thief, as they call him in Japan, some incredible things. He's comedy wrestling perfection. You need to watch some of his stuff. It is great. It makes me laugh. I don't understand a word he's saying, but it is great to watch. It is all taking place in the G1 Climax. You guys got to check all of this out. The standings real quick, and this will wrap us up for... Uh, this week, but the standings so far in A block, and these are just the guys who are still in contention to win. Hiroshi Tanahashi sits at the top of the A block with 14 points, and Jay White and Kazuchika Okada are tied with 12. Jay White has the tiebreaker over both uh, over both Tanahashi and Okada, so it could be really interesting what goes on here because if Jay White, you know, beats Evil, he's facing Evil. And that's the name of the guy, in all caps, EVIL, uh, on their last show for the A Block, and that's happening on August 10th. If he wins, he's in a tie with Tanahashi, so if Okada beats Tanahashi, then Jay White goes, because he's got a tiebreaker over all of them, because he beat both Tanahashi and Okada over the G1 Climax, which has helped set him up as a new star in the promotion, which is awesome. But again, Okada and Tanahashi fight each other to renew their just feud of the decade. They have had just a wonderful feud. You should check out some of the great matches that Okada and Tanahashi have had against each other over the years in New Japan. You will not be disappointed in that. I still have Okada just getting the win and winning the block because I've got Evil beating Jay White and then I've got Okada getting the win over Tanahashi with the Rainmaker 
and he will win A block. Meanwhile, in B block, things are getting very interesting. Kenny Omega suffering his first loss. They still have two nights to go in B block as of this recording. He sits atop the B block with 12 points, where Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito each have 10. However, Naito is, he's not eliminated yet, but he's really close because both Ibushi and Omega have beaten Tetsuya Naito straight up. Ibushi and Naito, another awesome match between the two of them happened uh, the same night that Kenny Omega lost to Tomohiro Ishii in B block. So, great stuff there. And the thing you've got to look for too is the last night of B Block. The Golden Lovers have to fight. It's Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi for the first time in years. They reunited as a group together, the Golden Lovers, and now they've got a fight, and the winner's probably going to win B Block. I've got Ibushi getting the win over Omega, and I've got him winning the block, and then it's going to be really interesting in that final because you've got Okada versus Ibushi. I think it's going to be the booker in me, if I was to booking book this, I've got Okada winning to set up Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada 5 at Wrestle Kingdom, which would be amazing. But I would also love for the opportunity to see Kota Ibushi get the win over Okada and then have to face Kenny Omega again, this time for the IWGP title at Wrestle Kingdom 13. So a lot of great scenarios there. We will see. Of course, we will talk about that because the finals are on August 12th. So by the time the next uh, recording time comes down here, for modern day gladiators we will have that set up and we will talk more about that but again that's going to wrap it up for us here on this first premiere edition of modern day gladiators love that you guys listened and hung around hope you guys are going to stick around with me here on stage diver radio i again am michael shibley follow me on twitter and on instagram at michael underscore shibley also check me out on facebook we will get up the modern day gladiators facebook page you can check all that stuff out there we'll have live videos and reactions when breaking news happens and of course after all big tennessee games we'll break all that stuff down as well and of course you can check out everything at stage diverradio.com where we will have this and all your other fine podcasts that you've got here on the network, including JB's DLC, Halfle, Deadbeat Radio, People in My Neighborhood, One Fall, 60 Minutes, all the other great ones that you have here. You can check all of those out at stagediverradio.com. And of course, you can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, send us your emails and comments at stagediverradio.com at gmail.com or call the hotline at 865-888-0109. We want to hear from you. And of course, always, no matter where you listen to us, please rate and review, comment. We want to hear it. It also helps us know what's going on, what we can improve. And also the more ratings and reviews we get, the better chance we have to spread the word to everybody out there and get bigger and bigger and bring this great thing to the masses. But again, my name is Michael Shibley. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been Modern Day Gladiators. And of course, too sweet. Love you guys. I will see you next time. Listen up. I want to present you a new weapon in the war against the takeover of the globalist left-wing liberal media. I I found a new show right here on Stage Diver Network called Deadbeat Radio. And and I'll be honest, I got a chance to sit down with this young man. I I, I just I was amazed and, and I'll be honest, if I should ever have to retire or or the Black Hawk copters come down and take me out, he's the kind of guy I want filling in for me when I'm gone. So check him out every two weeks here on Stage Diver Network, Deadbeat Radio. Thanks, Miguel. I appreciate the kind words. Hey, 
This is Lance Adams, host of Deadbeat Radio here on Stage Diver Network. I don't know if any of that is true, so um, don't go by that. But if you do want a weapon in the war against boredom, I got the answer for that. Deadbeat Radio, Stage Diver Network. We'll see you soon.